0: do you want to grow in the knowledge of the word of god do you want to be encouraged and strengthened to live it
1: out boldly and effectively in your life welcome to the open hearts in a closed world podcast a podcast where women meet together to model and grow in christ through the word of god as it says in hebrews ten twenty five, encouraging one
0: another and all the more as you see the day drawing near we are so glad you are taking the time to be with us so get ready Now here's your co-hosts,
1: Brooke Bartz and Erin Coates, to talk, strengthen, build up, come alongside, and encourage you as women to live life verse by verse. Well, welcome to the Open Hearts in a Closed World podcast. My name is Brooke Bartz, and I'm the founder of the Open Hearts in a Closed World ministry. I'm author of the book, Chronic Love, Trusting God While Suffering with a Chronic Illness. And I also have a new Christian teen girls fiction trilogy that is coming out. The first book, God Labor After, will be released in mid-2022. So I'm super excited about that. And I'm your co-host for the Open Hearts in a Closed World podcast. So before I introduce my other co-hosts, I want to tell you a little bit about Open Hearts podcast. Open Hearts is a podcast dedicated to teaching women truth through the scripture. It is... um, living life verse by verse, we want to encourage women to live life verse by verse, because we know in 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, it tells us that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So we want to see women built up in the truth of God's word. Well, I am so glad that this day is finally here. This has been in the making for about over a year and um i am so excited to introduce you to my co-host so here's my co-host
0: hello my name is erin coates and i am so happy to be a part of this podcast with brooke she is a dear sister a woman who has encouraged me greatly in my life and ministry and a little bit about me is i am a pastor's wife i am a mom to two i direct our women's ministry director uh, I'm our women's ministry director at our church. And, uh, but most of all, I'm a slave of Christ. I am um, blood bought by the Lord Jesus Christ through his death and resurrection. And uh, I am just so excited to be here to be able to talk about the truth of God's word and truly
1: hope it is a blessing, um, as much of a blessing to your heart as it is to my heart. Yes. Aaron is a. Dear sister, precious friend to me, and I am so excited to be doing this with her. Well, we want to thank Dwayne Atkinson and the Bar Network family. Um, That is the group of podcasters that we are with. We are on their network, so we are grateful to be part of such a special family. And we'd also like to thank Brandon Kimber and AGTV. In God's kindness and sovereignty, he has allowed us to be the first Reformed Women's Ministry to stream continual content on AGTV. So for ladies worldwide and resources, so go subscribe now to AGTV and um, thank you, Brandon Kimber and AGTV and thank you to the bar network. We also want to say a great big thank you to Lauren Herford of Tulips and honey podcast. Lauren is our technical director and she will be doing bonus episodes for our four open hearts that coincide with the book club. We're also going to be doing, and you can find out more information down below in the description, um, in the link, it'll link to that. And that will be streamed exclusively on AGTV. And um, And you can find out more about that on any of our social media platforms. I also want to say thank you to Jessa Um, Erin and I are so thankful for Jess's creative ability. She is our director of all things web and graphics and creative for Open Hearts. And we could not be here without any of these ladies. We love them dearly and our Open Hearts family to all the ladies that teach with us on the Open Hearts Conference. And of course, I wanna say thank you to Erin. She is such a precious sister in Christ. And I'm so thankful for, for her to be sitting here with me right now, all the way in Canada. And I'm in Texas, that is the beauty of social media. So um, for this episode, we are going to talk about who we are, how we met, our testimonies, some background on how we got here, why we started the podcast and the pod what the podcast will consist of. So Erin and I met three years ago on October 16th, it was actually a three-year anniversary. That's so funny. And I reached out to Erin because Erin does um, book reviews for a reformed um, um, publisher. And so I found out she did it. I reached out. I don't actually know how we got to be friends on Instagram before I reached out. We just were kind of following each other. It was just the Lord. And um, and so the reason Erin and I hit it off is when I reached out is that Erin and I are both kind of no-fluff um, gals. We love the truth. We love deep theological conversations. We love to encourage each other. We're both very bold in the word. And so I learned and watched from Erin's life as we grew in our friendship together. And she truly is a kindred spirit. And I'm so thankful for her ministry. I'm so thankful for, um, just the wisdom God's given her. And you can hear that when she teaches and just drips from her tongue. It is like sweet honey to me and I cherish her friendship. And so. I've been so spurred on by her and our friendship's built on Christ alone. And I think that's the most important thing is that we have a true friendship built on Christ and it has given us a deep um, kindred spirit friendship for each other. And so um, I want to just ask Aaron. So Aaron, do you have anything else you want to say about how we met or anything like that? I think it's fascinating that we did meet on social media and that we have been friends for three years and we have still not seen each other face to face Maybe one day, Lord willing, but um, just the kindness of God to let us get to know each other and become such deep sisters, even though we have not met face to face.
0: Yeah, I
1: am so thankful that the
0: Lord brought us together. I think it was, uh, you were commenting on some of my posts. And then, so then I went and looked to your page and I'm like, okay, I appreciate any woman who is going to post quotes by MacArthur and Lawson and all of these guys that I love and appreciate. And even MacArthur being our pastor for three years. Um, so I was just kind of like, "Who? who is this girl that uh, clearly loves the word of God? And that's how I think our friendship really started was just a, a, a similar love for God's word and for sound theology, because um, there wasn't a lot of women on the internet posting really sound things. And there's so much think garbage out there that I'm really careful about who I follow and what I look at. And so when I saw someone uh, that just loved the truth and clearly um, loved the men and women that I love uh, because of the truth, I was very intrigued by that. So
1: I think that's how we became friends was the word, the word of God. We did. And it, and it grew very quickly. And I asked Erin to be part of the Open Hearts Conference. So she came on and taught. And you know, all of this was before anything that was going on with um, with persecution in Canada before the churches were closed down because of COVID. And Aaron and I were both very bold on standing for your church needs to be open. You know, we, we stand behind that 100 percent. And so when I saw the stand that James took, um, you know, I, and being there for Aaron and, and I'll never remember. I remember Aaron started to we had a couple of emails back and forth where she said, "Will you start praying because it was around November. And um, things had kind of started ramping up. And one of the things that I remember the most about Erin is I remember when she told me that she had started preparing her boys. Um, that they had started really reading Bunyan and watching it and talking about um, faithful men and what that looks like as a pastor to defend your flock even till death, and so um just her heart to stand behind her husband and to um watch what he did and to faithfully then carry that torch as his wife to um, speak for him when he couldn't in prison and to herald the gospel to keep s- spreading the message of Christ, and that the church needs to be open, and this is where we gather, and this is where we have our one another's and this is you know, where the local body is called to assemble corporately. And so it was important to see that our friendship, you know, before it was even that it was strong. But then after that, it became even stronger. And I felt like over here that I was fighting, I was fighting for them. And I was fighting for the Canadian churches. And I was fighting for churches here to to stay open and to uphold the truth. And Aaron, as you and I know, we saw churches just fold left and right. And that was so disheartening. And so Aaron and I just gained a whole new level of trust and love and friendship in Christ when that happened. And so to know that the Lord brought us together even before that time, I think is just amazing. And it just shows what friendship can happen, what can happen with friendship when it's built on the the cornerstone of Christ. And so Aaron, why don't you tell us Your testimony. Sure. And just to
0: uh, make a note off of what you said, like glory to the Lord alone um, for that, because, you know, a lot of what people didn't see behind the scene is like the weakness and the fear and the anxiety and all of the stuff that you're battling through. And so it was so evident to me that there were women like you and men um, that were really like like an Aaron and a her that were holding up Moses's arms in the battle. uh, How much the the universal church and the people who reached out to me during that time really were such a cause for strength for me. Like that's how the Lord um, showed that his power was made perfect in my weakness. So I just so appreciate your love every night. You um, sent me a prayer and an encouragement, and that just meant the world to me and was such an example to me as well. So, um, yeah, it's quite amazing just to look at my life and where I am now. And that the Lord has so drastically changed my life. And, uh, uh, my testimony is a little bit of a train wreck and, and I've heard your testimony too. And we actually have a lot of similarities in our testimony. So not only do we look kind of similar, we could probably be sisters. <laughs> uh, we, we have similar testimonies and, um, I grew up in a nominal Christian home, grew up in the church, and my first love was gymnastics, and that I started uh, training when I was three years old, um, because my mom just saw that I was a little bit uh, had a gumby kind of quality to me and and probably the younger women that listen to this podcast will not know who Gumby is, <laughs> and that's okay. he's like a rubber rubber man, rubber little rubber green man. Um, and so my mom put me into uh, gymnastics when I was young, and that really stole my heart, and I was in the gym all the time, and when I wasn't in the gym. Um, I was thinking about gymnastics. I was talking about gymnastics. I was watching gymnastics, and so it was really um, who I was as a person. Was I was the small uh, curly haired gymnast? That that's what I I loved. It's what I did. It's who I was. And uh, and I think it's so important for parents to be training their children to know that their identity is found only in Christ. Because when I was 15 years old and I quit gymnastics, I didn't know who I was. And so that started just this pursuit of who am I? What is my identity? And unfortunately, because I had just gone into high school, um, I started to hang out with people that was really the wrong crowd. And they started to pull me in a direction of just substance and immorality. And I was thinking about it this morning and thinking, I just had no backbone. And because I was trying to find my identity and who I was, like I wanted to be loved and liked. And um, I really gave way to peer pressure and peer pressure was so massive. And when you don't have the conviction of the word of God to stand on, you will compromise on anything. And so I remember even kids just making fun of me in my teen years because, um you know, I was the church girl, and there was an innocence and a purity now that doesn't mean there wasn't sinful depravity in my heart there There was just an innocence in me, and that I wasn't knowledgeable of what the world had to offer. And uh, there was a lot of law in my home, but not a lot of gospel and not bringing it back to the word of God. So when those things were um, presented to me, I didn't really want to do them, but I thought this was the only way to be liked. And in my sinfulness, just explored all of those avenues, which just left me in a state of constantly pursuing more sin and, and in greater degree, and lived that life throughout my teenage years, left the church when I was 18, um, saw hypocrisy in the church, but really was just looking for an excuse to leave so that I could just unravel and my sin could just take full reign in my heart and life and not have those restrictions on me, like not have to feel the guilt when I went to church every Sunday. So um, I was about 21 when I started working at a nightclub and I was very naive to what that world had to offer. Um, and still probably am a little bit naive to what that world has to offer. And uh so I was putting myself through business college and um was was working at night, and I had met this guy and um was really treated like a princess and ended up getting pregnant, was terrified out of my mind because here I'm growing up in the church. Christian family, uh, and for the first time had prayed in my life that you know, God help me, I don't know what to do. I am a scared twenty one year old girl who doesn't know what she's doing, and now I'm pregnant
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, the people around me were were pressuring me to have an abortion, and uh, I always tell the story of I don't know what reality was in this moment, but as I was walking to the abortion clinic, which you wouldn't have known I was pregnant, um I wasn't showing until I was about seven months. Pregnant, and this was very early. And, uh, and I was walking down the road. So this is my perception. I don't know what was actually happening <laughs> behind mm-hmm. the scenes, but I was looking down and I looked up and there was this woman standing in front of me and she just looked at me and she said, you're not going to do this. Like turn around, get in your car and go home. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go home. And so she walked me back to my car and like, she was getting yelled at. I was being called names. She uh, was being called names for putting me back in the car. And so she put me in the car, shut the door. And she asked me to roll down my window. And uh I rolled down my window and she slipped these verses through the car window. Um and I, I think I remember seeing Psalm 139 on that on that piece of paper. And so I ultimately obviously ended up having my first son um at a very young age uh was a single mother. And, uh, really knew that I wanted to raise him in the church because I wanted to, I wanted him, this is so misguided, but I wanted him to be able to make his own decision. Yeah. I wanted to raise him in the church. And if he chose that, he would do the whole church thing. Great. Uh, if not, then, you know, I've done my job as a mom. So totally misguided. So I would take him to church and, uh, and remember, uh, the pastor talking one day that he was taking the college and career, um, to see the passion of the Christ, never really thought anything of it. And, uh, just kind of kept living my life, you know, I'm working, I'm taking care of my son and bringing him to church, not every Sunday, but often on Sundays. And then I started, um, dating a long, uh, time friend of of mine and really started to fall back into just a, a depraved lifestyle again. And, uh, and I got pregnant again and I thought, you know, how can I, how can I do this? How can I have another child? Like I already have a child. I'm a single mother. I can't go through this again. And uh, had decided in that moment that I was going to have an abortion and um, had chosen the abortion clinic that didn't um, have picketers at it, um, the Henry Morgenthaler Clinic. And who, he's notorious in Canada for murdering babies, won the Nobel Peace Prize. So here you have a serial killer winning the Nobel Peace Prize. Went to this clinic, um, walked in the clinic, probably the most hard hearted woman you could meet. Like I was. I was doing this and then had the abortion. And immediately the scales fell off my eyes and I knew what I did. And I walked out of that clinic, a broken and different woman. And, uh, even remember sitting in the waiting room, like there, there's a movie and I think it's called unplanned. Is that what it's called? I can, I sobbed through that movie because. It's true. All of it is true. <laughs> you know, and I remember sitting in a little waiting room and they give you a little cup of juice and a cracker and I remember looking at the girl in front of me and she was so irritated that she had to sit there and do this and I thought it dawned on me, oh this is not her first time here. What what have I done? And um you know, you have to go and sleep off what you've done essentially and and as I walked out of there the the reality that I had murdered my child was sinking deeper. And the the meds started to kick in, and I'm I was sleeping, and I just did not even want to wake up. And so I'm dealing with grief in my heart, and I'm also dealing with the fact that I've just murdered my child, and that leaves a serious scar on your heart. Um, even now, you know, I think this is this is the month of November. I would have a 17 year old this month, yeah. and that's a hard thing to handle. Even now, even 17 um, years later, and so I um just struggled the next couple of weeks. Uh, I think it may have been a, about a month. Um, was just thinking, you know, I don't know if I would have taken my own life, but I just didn't want to live. I could not handle what I did. And the only thing that kept me going was Isaac and, and having to care for him. And, uh, So I was at home alone one night and I thought, okay, well, like my cable's not hooked up yet. I'm going to rent a movie. And so I went into the movie store and as I walked into the movie store, there's this massive display of the passion of the Christ. And I know that people have issues with this movie. They're like, there's Catholic overtones and Mel Gibson and blah, blah, blah. I didn't see any of that. I just saw Jesus Christ being crucified on the cross for my sin. And I think I had a basic knowledge from growing up in the church, what the gospel was And so from the first scene in the garden, I was broken. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that this was the only way I was going to be able to be saved. Um, And so I remember going up to Isaac's room and he's like a year old and looking at him and going like, how can I be, how can I take care of this little boy if I can't even take care of myself? And I went into my bedroom and I didn't know what repentance, I didn't know the word repentance. I don't even know if I grasped the word forgiveness, but I just spent the night Telling God, I was sorry for everything in my life, and that I was ready to do it His way. But I didn't quite understand um, the concept of full and free forgiveness. And so, for about two years, I would cry every single day because I knew that God forgave me of my sin, but the sin of of murdering your child was just so much for me. And so, I thought that my tears could add to His atonement. And so, I remember um, my. And boyfriend, now husband, we had been at church that day and our pastor was preaching. I don't even know what he was preaching on, but he's like, you know, you just have to forgive yourself. And we're sitting in the car after service. And I look at him and I'm crying because that's all I did was cry. And, um, and I said, you know, I just don't think I can forgive myself. And he said, he looks at me and so gently, he, he says, he says, Aaron, are you above God? And I just thought like, what do you mean by yeah. that? And he goes, well, nowhere in scripture are we commanded to forgive ourselves, but we're commanded to embrace the forgiveness that's already extended to us in Christ. And that's when I realized like Christ carried my guilt. He carried my shame. Okay. He faced all of that on the cross and there was nothing left for me to do. My tears couldn't add, my feeling bad couldn't add. I just needed to experience the full and free blessing of the forgiveness of God through the finished work of Christ. And so that really ended that spiritual battle in my life, because whenever the enemy would accuse me, uh, I would say, no, Christ, no, yes. he paid for this. No, he took my guilt. No, he took my sorrow. He took my shame. And it's not like there isn't regret. There is regret in my heart. Um,
1: uh-huh.
0: And I know that there's a, there's a worldly sorrow and, a, and an earthly sorrow and there's regret within Um, The earthly sorrow, and and I wish I never did it, but I understand that that was the sin that led me to Christ. And uh, but it is, it's a lot, it's a it's a big burden, and and a lot of shame came with that. And the world is really trying to end the stigma of abortion, and they we can't, we cannot let them take that. Um, The sting has to be there. You are taking the life of your child, and I think even as I grew as a Christian, and I remember even being at seminary. You know, as I grew and understood the this, this sanctity of life and of motherhood, just the, the, the understanding of the weight of what I did only increased, which meant the cost for Christ only increased for me. So the more that I saw my sin, the, the, the more um, that I understood the depths of it, the more glorious the gospel became to me. So instead of going back to the place of guilt and shame, I just kept going back to the cross. No, Christ did this. And so I am so thankful that he would save somebody like me. And then uh, the first time I actually saw James was about a year and a half after I was saved. We were in the same church and he was he was being baptized and I saw him up there and I thought, oh, that's the kind of man that I want to marry. (laughs) Like he was just so passionate about the Lord. And uh, and then we met probably I think it was about six months later we met. And we were pretty much inseparable from that point. And our relationship was just kind of, you know, we, we dated, I think, uh, for about a year and a half and then we were engaged for two months and then we got married and then we went to seminary and ministry. And like, it was just been one wild ride after another. Um, but yeah, just to see that the Lord would take a woman like me and, and, and a lot of people are shocked when, when they hear of my past, cause they're just like, Whoa, like I thought you grew up in the church. I've been a Christian your whole life. And it's like, no, I have not. I was saved when I was um, not not quite 23. Uh, So later in life, so I have a lot uh, that I've done and a lot that I've seen. Thankfully, a lot that the Lord saved me from and kept me from. I could have done a lot worse had my heart been free to do that. Uh, so I am just thankful that he would save somebody like me, and then and put a, put me into ministry and in whatever facet that is. It just so happens to be the wife of a pastor. Uh, but even to just be a part of his church and be a part of his body is just something I am so I understand that privilege and don't ever want to take for granted his kindness to me in doing that. So
1: that's such a that's such a sweet testimony of God's forgiveness through you know every kind of impossible suffering trial that you could think of any kind every kind of immorality you know women think oh i'm so far from god there's no way he would save someone like me look at my past look what i've done and um, it's just just the beauty of who he is and his grace you know there are no prerequisites that god has for who he chooses to save it is preordained it's predestined and he calls us and he sets his love on us and um and he takes those that are that are filthy you know, that are unclean. And that's what he does. He makes us clean. And so those that are broken become whole because we have now have Christ as our Lord and Savior. And, and we have the spirit living within us to, to help guide us through this world as we make choices. And so um, it's amazing that your heart is so for fighting abortion. And obviously it would be because God gave you such a um, sense of that sting, like you said, when the abortion happened and what you carry. But that's also such a testimony of his goodness to be able to take you and help you live through that, walk through that, and help other women through that. I think that's a ministry all in itself that he's giving you, even on the side. You know, you're very passionate about that. And, you know, I just want to say on a side note. There's a wonderful book by John MacArthur called Sake in the Arms of God, and you know and i know aaron if you need to reach out to aaron to talk about these things i know she would love to and we're going to list our um personal instagrams down below um in the description cuz um we're also going to be on youtube with the podcast um not only on agtv so you can watch it from youtube as well but that's just it's just so great to know that god works through broken people and he he loves us because he sent his son to die for us and that's really what it is if we repent and you recognize that and so just a gracious God to work in the lives of very broken people. So, um, well, um, so, so that's your, so that's your testimony. So my testimony is, um, it is similar. Um, I did my, my whole focus was sports. I loved sports. I grew up playing sports. Um, volleyball, basketball, softball. And then in junior high and high school I really started focusing on volleyball and basketball. And so I started going to camps and AAU and club volleyball. And that was just my life. And it was my life because in high school I grew up in a Methodist background. So, you know, everybody knew who God was. God was a he, she, whatever it was in the Methodist background. And um, you know, we had a female associate pastor, you know, but but going to church meant that I was saved. That's what I thought. I went to church In fact, every church on the street corner, they're all saved people in there. We're all going to heaven as long as we know who Jesus is. That's what I thought the gospel was. I also thought the gospel was at Christmas when we got to see Jesus in the nativity scene. That meant I was saved because I understood that Jesus was born a man and that, you know, He was here and he came and he died and that was it. But there was no repentance. There was nothing on me understanding that I was a sinner, that he was a holy God, that I had to have my sin paid for because wrath was on me and his wrath was on me. And so you just kind of lived your life as you wanted to. That's what I did because I was a Christian. I had my ticket. I was going to heaven. Everybody was. And so I was part of FCA. I was part of Young Life because that was athletic. You know, that's what athletes did and I, and in set, and when people interview me they you know they're shocked to know that not one person from when i was a baby you know all the way up until high school never shared the gospel with me the true living gospel you know i think we all just thought we were we were going to heaven because we knew who jesus was you know and so um i went off to college i got a volleyball scholarship and i ended up staying and playing at a different college because i started dating a guy and that's really where my new identity or my new um, I thought satisfaction came from was this guy because he treated me, you know, well. And um, I finally felt like I was pretty enough. I was worthy enough. I was good enough because I had a boyfriend. And, and to me, that meant that I was um, I was worthy. I was good. And so I stayed for that relationship and then ended up breaking up and going off to Texas state in San Marcos, Texas, to play volleyball there and decided when I got there, I just want to party. Like, I don't want, I don't want any restrictions. I don't want anyone telling me what to do. Um, I was very sex, sexually immoral. Um, I was sexually assaulted by several guys at one time. And, um, you know, I look at my life and that's when the fatalistic view comes in. I, I'm starting to get sick. I don't know why. Um, so I just let myself go with immorality. It was like, I just opened the gate. I ran through it and no one could hold me back. I just wanted to, um, live life the way that I wanted to live. And if I live life the way that I live, I could kind of put that in the back of my mind. What happened kind of like, Oh, that's what everybody does. Everybody parties, everybody's sexually immoral. Um, that's just what girls do. And if you want to have a boyfriend, that's what you do. That's the world tells you how you're worthy. And so, um, I continued to just, you know, be in this lifestyle and, um, Brad had gotten a, and I've known Brad since I was a little girl. We actually grew up in the same Methodist church. Well, I don't want to call it a church, but we grew up together. And I'd always had a crush on him. Um, When I was little, I had three prayers that God would save the starving children in Africa, that I would marry Brad and that he would keep my family safe, you know. And um, so Brad gets a scholarship to play football at, at Texas State. And we become friends because we start hanging around the same group. Now, I've known him forever, my sister, and he were really good friends. So I kept up with him all through high school, in the newspaper, for football and all those things, and always had a crush on him, even though I'm older. And so um, when he got a scholarship to Texas State, we kind of picked back up with our friendship because um, we ran around with the same group. I was – had – I was living in a uh in a house with um some girls that were cheerleaders and some of them played sports and so we all ran around and as an athlete they were required to find an on campus ministry because it made them look good kind of like the outer looks good but the inner was you know behind closed doors these athletes were living you know immoral lives but if you could say you went to church or on campus ministry so I began going to the on campus ministry cuz Brad was going to be there and that's the first time that I ever saw someone um with a Bible open, um, praying, reading, worshiping the Lord, um, in song. And that's the first time I ever heard someone present, um, the gospel. Now I did not understand it at the time, but I was inquisitive. And so I kept going back because there was such a sense of peace there. Um, and I say now I didn't know, but it was joy. Um, these people love the Lord and they were worshiping Christ and there was a, they were not chained. I did there was not a when I talked to them, I could tell that the way that they lived was completely opposite of me. And it was like a, a spotlight on my life. These, these ladies, these girls that I were talking to, they weren't going out and drinking and partying. They were going to Bible study and they had deep friendships and they were going to church and they weren't living an immoral lifestyle and they looked whole. They looked rested at peace, you know, and obviously now I know it was because they knew Christ and they had the Holy spirit. And so I began um, going back and then I heard the gospel and God dropped the scales off my eyes. My ears were open and I did. I felt like chains had been taken off of my wrists and my ankles when I heard the gospel. And there was a huge sigh of relief that he had forgiven me. So I heard the gospel at um, this on-campus ministry and I went home and I asked my roommate if she had a Bible and she did. And so they went out for the night and I stayed home and I read Romans and I read the gospel. And I understood that Christ died for my sin and um, that if I repented, if I turned to him, if I placed my faith in him alone and no longer live for myself and the world and understood that God was holy and that he'd taken my sin from me, if I repent and place my faith in him, that I would be saved. And, and I got that. That made sense to me. I've been living a completely immoral life. Um, my God was myself. And so to, um, to have that burden lifted, to know that I could cast my cares on him, that he had forgiven me as far as the East is the West, my sin just freed, it just freed me and it gave me such an excitement. And, you know, you you talk about when people are saved, there's a change in their heart in their appetite in their, um, in what they desire. I desired to, no longer live like that. You know, I knew that I was free. I knew that I was not captive to that sin. And I did not want to be in that immoral lifestyle. And I started from that night, like I did not drink anymore. I did not smoke anymore. I did not, I was not sexually immoral anymore. Um, And I found a church. I started plugging into a Bible study and I actually told Brad because, you know, I'd been in love with him since I was 10 and he was my idol. And basically I told him, I cannot run around with him anymore. I cannot be yoked to you. You You're an unbeliever. And, you know, I am a new creation in Christ and I do not want any temptations. And I prayed and I prayed and I asked the Lord that the next man that I dated would be the man that I married. I wanted to. um, And, you know, people have different things. They believe on courtship or whatever. But for me, for my life, from what I had been through, I knew that the next person that I dated, I wanted to marry and I was going to be very careful. You know, Christ had paid for my life. I was bought. I was purchased. I was free, and I did not want to entangle myself myself with any sin. And I knew that I needed to wait. I needed to wait on the right, the right person. If if the Lord had someone for me, and in that time, I just pursued God. I pursued how to live a godly life as a godly single woman in college, and did not want any distractions. And in God's kindness, Brad actually went home over Christmas. He got saved. He came back, and I was praying at this on-campus ministry, and this is just. What happened? And I said, you know, Lord, I even if the guy you picked for me just comes up and touches me on, taps me on the shoulder, you know, and and the next thing I, there was a tap on the shoulder, and it was Brad. And and only God can do these things, but He does hear our prayers. And and I don't, you know, I'm not a mystic or anything like that. But it just shows the love of our Father that He hears our cares and He hears our prayers and to know that Brad had been my idol my whole life and then to give him up. And then the Lord and his kindness to give him back to me just shows what a great, I just will never, ever forget that. And, you know, Brad was drastically changed as well. And we can, you know, talk about that another time, but, you know, we have been married for over 20 years and we got married in college and, um, and we adopted our, our baby girl. So I'm a a wife and a mom and I stay home, you know, obviously, and Brad has been my caregiver since I've been sick and my, um, my rock. And, and so we both have godly husbands and, you know, I think that the Lord and his goodness to us, when we, when you and I got saved, our hearts were set on Christ and we wanted to live for him in his word and his truth. And we understood that, um, that, that our past and our past relationships, that we were worthy of who God had for us. And if that meant we needed to, you know, be single or wait, but we were not going to settle you know, we wanted a godly man. And so, you know, it's just an encouragement to teen girls that are listening and college girls and single women to, you know, trust the Lord that he has his very best for you. And if, you know, if he wants you to be single, he's going to equip you to do that effectively and faithfully and with a heart that desires that, you know, but he truly gives you the desires of your heart. And obviously the desire of my heart was was Brad and the Lord knew that. And so, to have him as my idol since I was 10, and then the Lord allowed us to get married in college and then just start a life like you of just ministry. You know, we just started, we just dug right in. And so that is, you know, our, my testimony as far as becoming a believer in Christ. I repented in college, I got married in college, and then Brad and I were dorm parents um, at a private boarding military school. And we saw everything. These kids were the last step before juvenile um, detention. So we saw kids that were had been arrested, had um, run away. They were in trouble with the law. There were all sorts of drug addiction. A lot of them were on drugs and we were able to pour into them um, through the gospel. We rented a a van, like a van bus and took these kids to to church to our church and the school allowed us to, because they saw the, they saw the eagerness in some of these kids. So we always had a full van of kids And, and that was when our heart really was for for children, we always wanted to have children, and God's kindness, we adopted our, our baby girl. But yeah, so our life took off from there with ministry, just like you. And and I think that listening to your testimony of the love you have for not only you know your husband and the truth and the women that you minister to as you do women's ministry, but for children and abortion, and and that just speaks volumes to me. And so I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for your testimony and that women get to hear that um, about you. So. So, Erin, talk to me about um, what are we what we're going to be doing for this podcast and why we're doing it this way. Sure. Well, let me preface this. Uh, when I was saved,
0: there wasn't a ton of discipleship happening in my life. And I was so zealous um, to be serving in the church. And but I just didn't know um, the power of the Word of God at that point. And There was people in the church that were, you know, after youth group, after the youth leaders would go out and have wings and beer and, and that was fine for them. But for somebody like me, who was so entrenched in the world, um, so involved with substance abuse, stuff like that was not okay, but I was having trouble drawing the line. And I ended up about four months after I was saved, uh, falling into sin again. And I remember going out and partying one night, not even intending it for, to be that way. I just went out for dinner with an old friend. We had a little bit too much to drink. And I remember sitting, my pastor was actually my, my Bible study, um, shepherd and it was a Monday night and I didn't go to church that Sunday. And, uh, and I just remember sitting there going like, can he, can they smell the alcohol on me right now? Like just feeling so guilty that I had done this, that, that Christ had paid for my sin. And then I went out and I did this. And for me, it that moment for me was like, I need to know what does God require of me? And that just started me ripping my way through scripture, reading it from cover to cover. What is God's expectation of me now that he saved me? Because he's saved me for a reason. And, you know, going to all these various churches that were about various things and not the, just the word of God was leading me astray and wasn't helping me put sin to death and pursue holiness. And, um, and so I had to fall into sin to really realize like, oh, like, what did God, he, he didn't just save me from sin. He saved me unto himself and that I am to be holy as he is holy. And, uh, so I think that's why we really wanted to have the podcast the way that we do, where we are teaching the women, the word of God, the number one, um, kind of comment that I get on maybe or one of the number one, uh, things you can't have more than number one, but um, is that women don't have strong women's ministries. And as much as women want wisdom on how to live through this time and how to deal with motherhood and how to be a good wife, um, you can't do any of those things if you are not first digging into the word of God. And so a lot of times people will say to me, like, what prepared you for this time? And I don't have any, like, Super exciting method to tell you, other than the ordinary means of grace, which are extraordinary in and of themselves, which is the word of God and prayer and fellowship and the ordinances, baptism, the Lord's Supper, the providence of God. Um, And so that's what we really wanted to give women with this podcast is the word of God so that it transcends any situation that they're in so they can go, oh, I know what God's word says about this and to live it out. Um, but we really wanted to do something a little bit different and kind of go verse by verse uh, through through the
1: scripture. So, Brooke, do you want
0: to just expand on why we chose verse by verse?
1: Yeah. So um, verse by verse is important because everything in God's word is applicable to our life. Every little comma, every little tittle, every little therefore, every little but, every little and. Because verse by verse is what is going on, when it was going on, why and where, in the context of when that was written. And we know that God's word is inspired. We know that it's holy. We know that He sent men and through their personalities, He breathed into them what He wanted them to speak and write out. And so, looking at God's word verse by verse, we don't need anything else. You know, we are so quick to grab a self-help book or, you know, turn on a motivational um, movie or listen to a song that we think is going to fill us up and give us what we need in Christ. And, you know, one of the things that I love about Erin and our friendship is that it is built on Christ. And I know that my sister is studying. I know that she's preparing and, you know, Christianity does not happen by osmosis. It is a work, a disciplined effort that we have to put ourselves, put our noses in the Word of God and study, read, meditate, um, pray. It takes time and diligent effort. And so what we wanted women to understand is that the Word supplies all that you need. It will equip you for every good thing, every good work, not some works, not a few not just the ones that matter to me at this moment in my life, not when times are mundane, not when I'm on, you know, everything is going great in my life. The word is applicable for every single situation. Now it takes wisdom and to apply that. And we have to dig into the word and see what it says. And that's why we wanted to to understand that if these women learn verse by verse, they're going to learn exegesis. They're going to learn to understand the text of what it's talking about at that time and what's going on in context. Not what I read and I think in my mind because it suits me or it's based on emotion or um, it's one of the, the bullet points that I found in a book. No, it's because God's word is God and he has given us his spirit who lives within us to transform our minds, to teach us how to understand his word. And so if we if we bring women back to the word and we give them an excitement for the truth of God's word, they're going to find how to handle those situations in life through God's word, not based on what's going on and look, how do I assess this? The answers are in God's word. And we do have, there are issues of conscience, obviously, and we have to apply, you know, those to um, the word of God. But in every single word, there's wisdom because he gives us his word to, to read and be fully equipped. And so, Aaron and I just want women to be equipped. That's our heart for you women out there listening is that every single word will um, impact you. And, and I'm not talking about emotionally all the time. Sometimes it's, it's a due diligence this when you're in the word, you know, that the spirit is going to, to work and he is, and he's working and he will use that. And he will bring those things to mind. and He will bear those things in your life through fruit. And when you need to apply those in situations. And so verse by verse is, is, is very important because it's, it's God's Word, and He has prescribed it to us, and He doesn't change. He's the same today, yesterday, tomorrow, so His Word doesn't change. And so it's applicable even through everything that we are seeing in this world as it continues to become more and more reprobate. God's Word holds the answers for us. And so if women can have a heart for reading the Word, and, and that's why we're going to do verse by verse, and we're going to go through 2 Timothy verse by verse, and I'll let you talk a little bit on that, um, why we chose 2 Timothy— and then, um, next month we will do the intro to second Timothy and verse one and two. But if you ladies out there can start memorizing this book, as we do it, as we go through verse by verse, I think it's going to be an encouragement to your soul to see the Lord work through his word as he's called us to be faithful stewards of it and to not be men who, you know, look at ourselves in the mirror and then leave. No, you've got to do, do diligence to the word and study it. It's, it's not going to happen if, um, You're not going to grow in Christ, and you're not going to have wisdom to apply in situations if you're not reading the Word. You're going to base your decisions on your emotions or what you think in a situation instead of a scripture being brought to mind or the Spirit being able to bear fruit on your soul because you're spending time in this Word. So, Erin, why don't you tell us why um, we chose Second Timothy? I know that you have a very special place in your heart for this book. I love this book. We are
0: studying it with our women's ministry and we just finished chapter one and I am already seeing the fruit of that coming out. And just to make a little comment on what you were saying, a lot of times where I see ministries go wrong is they're about something. Like they're about one focus of the Christian life. And so that's where you tend to see people who just have one focus in their life. Like like if we just made this about biblical womanhood, well, biblical womanhood is exponentially important, um, but it, it's an aspect of how God has chosen us to glorify himself. And there is a way he wants us to live that biblical womanhood out. Um, but it's not its not primary. The gospel is primary. Living according to the word of God is primary, but the word of God is going to meet you at whatever sphere God has placed you in as a woman. And whether that's in marriage, whether that's single, whether that's a young girl, a teenager, an older woman, God's word is applicable and and is living and active. And so where I tend to see ministries just go really wrong is because they've made one thing, the focus, uh, instead of the word of God. And so we didn't want to do that. (laughs) And so studying books of the Bible is just so helpful. And I love the book of second Timothy. There Mm -hmm. is so much in this, as you look at the life of Paul, and I don't want to give a lot away before our next uh, meeting on the intro of it, but you've got You've got Timothy's character. You've got spiritual gifts in there. How do you deal with trials? What is the treasure entrusted to us? You have discipleship. Um, how do you deal with your enemies? How do you deal with persecution, suffering? Uh, what The the weakness of women in chapter three and what the end, end of the age is going to look like. And uh, then you have the preaching of the word, you, the word of God. It's just, it's an amazing book. And just the character of Paul is one to be exemplified. And, uh, so I have just been loving digging this book apart and how much I need it for my own heart to live through this time that we're going through. And I think we had actually chosen this book as a women's ministry before, cause I tend to have, I'm already planning next year and next year we're, we're as a women's ministry, we're going to study the Beatitudes. Um, so I think we already had second Timothy in the, uh, lineup before we hit our difficulties, uh, at Grace Life Church. Um, so it's just been amazing to see the Lord honor his word and, and to see that all come about, but I'm excited for the women to dig into this book. You're going to find just the treasure, uh, that's in it and be challenged by it for sure.
1: Yeah. And like Aaron said, I mean, there, I know that women, you know, who, who have written in have said, you know, are you going to cover, you know, controversial issues and politics and mask mandates and being woke and critical race theory and social, you know, all these things we've heard, but, but, what, but what, what we want women to know is that Paul addresses Timothy to stand up and to fight against obviously false teaching to avoid error. And so, yes, those things will be covered, but it is in the sphere of how do we, what does the verse tell us in this context and how do we look at that in our lives to live that out? And, and, and my heart for second Timothy goes back to Aaron a little bit because, um, you know, Paul and Timothy, um, Paul loved Timothy. He prayed for Timothy and he had a deep burden, even when he was about to lose his life to encourage, um, Timothy and that friendship that is built on the bonds of Christ. And when I think about Aaron and I, that is a deep, you know, longing that I long to see her and, and to, for us to be able to encourage each other. And when, um, you know, when James did go to prison. Um, I just felt this burden to continue to, to, to pray for her and spur her on. And so the, the, the friendship that, that Paul has for Timothy, and as you see that, that's what we want to be built in women is a deep fellowship in Christ with each other. And second Timothy also goes through that, just the heart of these two men that they have for each other, this brotherly love in Christ that they have. And so, um, and Aaron talked about, you know, what, where women's ministries go wrong and they focus on, you know, one topic and this, and they also focus on programs and, you know, and so this podcast was a way for if women, this does not replace church, obviously, like this is not the local church. We're not, you know, saying that we are your women's ministry teachers. We are just leading a podcast, giving you truth, um, to be able to apply through this book. And so that's what we're really excited about is being able to, um, teach on this book and the truths in scripture and how they apply to everything in our life, because the word of God is applicable to everything. So, um, so Erin, what can ladies do to get ready for this next podcast?
0: Well, we are going to have lessons available. So the lessons that we've done with our women's ministry and, and another thing that I really want to point out too, is a lot of where women go wrong or women's ministries go wrong is where's your male leadership? Yes. Where are your elders? Where are your leaders? And so with our women's ministry, I am the women's ministry director, which I would say where our women, it's just a fancy way of us saying to you, I'm the mediator between our elders and the women and I'm bringing their heart to you. Um, and mm-hmm. so that they're able to shepherd the women of grace life church. And, um, and so everything that we do is done under the leadership of our church and uh and and I always say it's an extension of the pulpit ministry. So so how our women's ministry functions is not any different from any other ministry that is running in churches. And I have women contact me all the time where they just have this women's ministry that's a separate entity that's that's working completely separately from their leadership, from their pulpit. The the whole point of a women's ministry is you can see it pointed out in James one where it says, um, and And putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, and humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. Uh, And so, so prove yourselves to be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who believe themselves. And so, we're always drawing from the pulpit ministry when we're teaching um, our women and helping them apply the sermon, live the sermon. But this is this is set up for you to live your life in such a way that you are putting off all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, so that you can be able to hear the word of God preached every Sunday. Because if you can't hear God's word preached every Sunday from the pulpit, God is mediating his presence through a faithful um, exposition of the word. And if you cannot hear the word preached because you have sin in your life, or you're not um, doing what you need to be doing as a believer and living scripture out, and you can't hear God's word, you are eliminating the primary means of grace in your life, which is the preaching of God's word. Um, right. And so that's why our women's ministry is set up is to facilitate the pulpit ministry. Is is um, supplementing maybe is a better word, but we're not working separately from our leaders. Our leaders are involved. Um, they they know what's happening with the women, and but we have women leading um, because there's just issues that these women are going to tackle with your you over you know, your leaders on, on some certain sensitive information. And I want to be really sensitive about that because men should be able to shepherd every area of your life. I know there's some women out there that, you know, um, they discredit male leadership and that they, they, um, they teach you and, and you submit to them. But yeah, I, I think that's just where women's ministries go wrong. So there's my little rabbit trail, but we have, um, homework that, uh, and lessons that are going to help you really prepare for the book, dig into the book, Um, hopefully give you some extra resources to be digging deeper a little bit outside of the book with um, supplemental resources. Uh, And so you can be looking at that. You can start memorizing um, second Timothy. I know my friend, Susan Heck, uh, she does not teach a book unless she has it memorized. And that is a huge standard to live up to. Um, And she is just a wonderful resource on the significance of memorizing scripture Um, And obviously praying that the Lord would do a work in your heart that you would be able to um, have eyes to see and ears to hear and that the Lord would give us uh, wisdom. And um, so I would say that's the work that that could be done now until we meet again.
1: Yes. And so we are going to close pretty soon. So for next month, we will be doing the intro to Second Timothy and I will do verse one and Aaron will do verse two. And we will talk about that, all that's going on in the book. And so we're super excited about that. I also want to let you know everything that we've talked about um, as far as reaching out to us is available. will be in the available in the links in the description, Erin's um, Instagram, my Instagram. We also want to know your questions. Send us your questions. If you have um, things you want us to talk about, um, we will have break, breakaway sessions. We will even have some of the ladies on from the Open Hearts team. And we will also have um, interviews where we interview godly pastors, um, authors, speakers, men that can talk to us more about what we are um, breaking down, so that you hear it's just not Aaron and I. You know, we want you to search the scriptures like the Bereans, but we were excited about being able to bring on um, godly pastors to talk about the verses we're talking about to give us even more you know depth and wisdom into God's word as we study it from the text and, and glean from these men's with these uh, this the wisdom of these men. So. We are excited about this podcast and we want you to, to join us. So go subscribe and um, we are going to look forward to next month. And like we said, send us your questions. If you have prayer requests, if you need anything, you can reach out to Erin and I on our Instagrams and we will get back to you. Um, go follow Open Hearts in a Closed World. That is our ministry, and like we said, we will be on AGTV. There will be some things exclusively on AGTV, and there will be some things that are um, also on the YouTube and other places. The podcast is going to be everywhere. It's broadcasted worldwide through the Bar Network, and um, we can't wait for you to follow us.
0: So today we are wearing our Carpe Fide shirts. They are the Come and Take It pulpit shirts (laughs) made by our friends at Carpe Fide, and these guys have been amazing. Uh, they have supported us through the whole ordeal uh, and they made these specific t-shirts. And I think it was 10% of the proceeds go to grace life church. And there is another come and take it pulpit shirt. Uh, I believe it's um, a raglan shirt. It's, it might be green with black green. sleeves. Yeah. And, and they're giving uh, 10% of the proceeds, I believe to Jacob Rayom's church in Ontario. So we're just so super thankful for them and they have their own fun, podcast. So we didn't want to do today without our come and take it shirts on, uh, and be able to just thank them for their love, their support that they're such fun guys and, uh, and some serious defenders of the face. So we're super thankful for them.
1: Thank you. Carpe Vida. I'm going to close us in prayer, and then we will look forward to seeing you ladies next month for our discussion on second Timothy and starting this rich book. So we're so excited you're with us. So let's pray Lord. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you, Father, that women across the world, because of social media, can come together and hear your word and hear about each other's lives and grow um, together. Father, I thank you for who Aaron is and what she means in my life and the friendship that you established because it's built on the bonds of Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross, that he died so that we would have everlasting life. Father, that if we repent and place our faith in Christ alone for salvation, you have atoned for our sin. Lord, and we reap the benefits of that eternally. Father, you give us your spirit to work within us, to transform our minds. You give us your word, Father, to be able to read and know you and your character and your truths and your promises. Father, we are so grateful for your word and we are so grateful that you are a holy God, that you love us. We are grateful for Christ and his sacrifice. We are grateful for the spirit, the comforter who illuminates our heart so that our eyes and ears can hear truths and understand it, Father. You are such a good God. I thank you for the friendship, the bond that you Aaron and I I pray that women across the world would find deep friendships built on Christ alone and his word. And we pray for the women out there, Father, that will be listening, that you would start to strengthen and build them up and gird them in your truth, Father, because you are the God of of creation. You have made the heavens and the earth and you will return one day, Father, and those who know you, Father, we will live with you in eternity. And so for all the women out there that are listening, I pray, God, that this book, Second Timothy, that it would start to be impactful as they read it and that you would change their hearts, Lord, that you would make them doers of the word. Thank you for this time. Help us to be doers like we said of the word and study it and meditate on it as we prepare for next month. And we just pray you would bring friendships that we would get to know women even though it's over the internet and social media and we would be able to be in their lives. And Father, you would just um, bring women to faith. They would hear the gospel, Lord, and you would work in their hearts to save them. We thank you for this time. We pray it all in your precious son's name. Amen.